Hello, welcome to the Gentle Rebel podcast. I'm Andy Mort, I'm a sound artist, songwriter and slow coach and I love exploring the potential that is wrapped up in the depths of our sensitivity through creativity, play and human connection. In this episode I'm joined by my friend Megan Malone to talk about the life coaching industry, a bit of a companion piece to the episode that I did um, a few months ago um, looking at red flags to look out for if you're thinking about working with a coach. Together Megan and I dissect why some are viewing coaching through quite sceptical and increasingly cynical lenses um, and we'll explore avenues for um, you know how life coaches can maybe reverse the negative trends and misconceptions uh, that are emerging um, quite justifiably in many cases. Megan is an International Coach Federation certified coach. Uh, she's got a master's in organizational development. And in the conversation, she she really sheds clear light on the nature of coaching and um, what to expect from working with a professionally accredited life coach. So uh, giving us some uh, some filters through which to view um, those who are uh, selling themselves under this umbrella of coaching. I think it's really imperative to address uh, the the misconceptions going on um, because, you know, I, I think each of us should be in a position to make informed assessments about what we're being sold in the name of coaching. And for this, we've got to foster um, re- really a greater awareness and a comprehension of um, ethical coaching practices. We've got to understand, you know, what is it that actually is like under this umbrella of coaching? What can we expect from that? What can we expect from the coach um, who is delivering that uh, that tool? You know, navigating the life coaching industry, it can be really confusing. <laughs> I find it very confusing, uh, primarily due to its lack of regulation. So anybody can call themselves a coach uh, without needing to adhere to any particular standards. And so this ambiguity has sparked discussions calling for uh, industry regulation to delineate more precise professional and ethical um, practices. And so um, we begin our conversation talking about the difference between coaching, uh, therapy or counselling, mentoring and um, consulting. You know, coaching operates under the premise that clients are inherently whole and capable of making sound life decisions. The coach essentially facilitates self-awareness through the questions that they ask um, and by engaging in active listening. So aiding clients to identify obstacles, envision their future desires and and essentially formulate strategies that they are going to um, undertake in order to progress towards the thing that they want. Um, And while regulated professions often require proven credentials, Coaching's focus on client responsibility and self-directed growth essentially means it's unlikely to become regulated at that level. Um, However, the rise of untrained coaches and what I think is sometimes a bit of a wild west of coach training options um, really blurs the line. Uh, You know, some people assume roles beyond their expertise and beyond the scope of where a coach should be operating. Uh, So they might be advising or even diagnosing based solely on personal experience and their own interests. And so these are some of the red flags that we we address that we talk about. Um, And I think it's quite, um, yeah, it's quite helpful maybe to to look at the level of uh, coach training um, as the potential place where regulation could have a have a really uh, important impact because there's a lot of um, a lot of organisations offering coaching training that are not affiliated to any uh, wider body. So and and again, because it's unregulated, anybody can sort of offer to train people as coaches without any necessary um, background in understanding what um, what coaching really is as the, as this established practice that has has sort of grown through uh, the past few decades. And so the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, is um, is really the the kind of heartbeat of that those standards. Um, and so the ICF affiliated training programs emphasise a coach's role in guiding clients to find their own path, rather than offering direct advice. 
Um, and so this approach fosters motivation, uh, a really rewarding experience and confidence in clients' own decisions. Um, you know, and this really challenges conventional notions of decision-making being predicated on external validation. So, you know, we might think that we are, if we're um, maybe struggling with a challenge or we have a goal that we want to uh, work towards or something we want to accomplish, we might think, okay, I want to be told what to do in order to get to where I want to go. Um, and then we will make decisions based on, um, you know, somebody else's determination of whether or not that decision is is a good one. And, um, and actually coaching sort of brings the focus onto the client as the ultimate arbiter of whether or not a decision feels good to them. Um, and so, yeah, in essence, Coaching is an agreement entered into voluntarily by those who want to reach a desired future state and the partnership. So it's a, a kind of equal partnership um, rather than a, uh, yeah, sort of that power dynamic of uh, the the coach being the person who imparts advice or wisdom or whatever. Actually, it's a partnership that provides scaffolding for building momentum towards change. So it, the the scaffolding being... Um, what we use in order to raise that awareness, uh, get beneath um, what's going on at the moment, the the the, ob- the potential obstacles to that future desired state, um, and yeah, all of that kind of thing. It's it's really not focused on sort of fixing or curing or mending. It's about identifying, raising awareness, and um, moving towards something um, that is uh, desired. Um, and so in our discussion, Megan and I delve into various aspects of coaching, including red flags. Uh, we sort of build on the red flags, indicating, um, a poorly trained coach, things to look out for there. Um, parallels between life coach training programs and multi-level marketing. I think this is an increasing trend that we're seeing, um, which can be under, underpinned or defined by, you can spot it because it's coaches coaching coaches to be coaches of coaches <laughs> um, and again I talked about this in the red flags episode but where you're being um, being sold a program that will um, kind of train you to be a coach but then who you'll be coaching is other coaches to make them coaches so it's this sort of multi-level marketing insular pyramid thing um, where nobody's actually coaching people in anything meaningful other than um, it's a bit like the businesses uh, that tell you how to how to succeed in business, creating a business that tells people how to succeed in business. <laughs> it's this, yeah, this closed loop, um, very yeah, big, big red flag warning sign. Um, we also talk about the potential for regulatory measures, um, maybe at that training level um, and, and why it might not work at the level of the coach itself. Um, how to maintain integrity while marketing oneself as a coach um, and some of the reasons why uh, or the ways that marketing itself has become um, part of this this problem of the blurred lines around what a coach um, is doing what a coach can offer to those that they that they coach that they work with because yeah there's a lot of especially when we're thinking about niches and building a coaching business who is your ideal client and what are you promising those people that you coach and what are their expectations when they enter into that partnership? Um, there's all sorts of um, yeah murky water um, around um, marketing and coaching. So we sort of try and unpick some of that. And then, yeah, we finished by talking, talking about, uh, you know, where we, th- we think the potential future trajectory of coaching um, might take us. So, yeah, I want to say as we get as we get into this, the purpose of these kinds of episodes, it's not it's not to rant. <laughs> it's not to be negative. Um, it's, it's actually because I've you know, I really believe in the deeply transformational impact of um, solid coaching practices. I think it's a coaching is an amazing tool um, for us to have access to um, to really just, you know, get clear on what it is that we want to be working on. Um, where, like how to navigate the obstacles that might stop us from getting where we want to go um, and then identifying the, um, the, the options 
or the ways that we want, the options that we want to, to pick that make most sense to us, that feel good to us, um, so that ultimately we can, you know, take responsibility for that path we're on um, and go to places that we want to go to. And that's essentially what it all boils down to. Um, and yeah, I just want to, you know, sort of maintain the integrity of that of that craft. And I think it is a it is a craft. And we talk about it in our in the conversation that, you know, it takes a long time to qualify. It takes a like through the organisations that we um, both trained through. Um, you know, you have to document and evidence. Uh, a lot of hours of coaching because it's a you know it's a, a a craft it's a practice it's a way of or an approach to conversations that is not necessarily all that natural or there's aspects of it that are, are really challenging to um to hone and so um yeah it is its own skill and it is a, a skill that has to be acquired um and i think yeah that, that's why I care about this. <laughs> um, and I think the more confusion and misappropriation of coaching that occurs, um, the more that skill is undermined. And I think everybody potentially suffers because of that. And the whole thing just sort of will get disregarded through um, a, a cloud of cynicism because it's like, actually, you know, this is just full of grifters um, and it is a scam. It does feel like um, people are offering nothing for a lot of money <laughs> that's what it uh, potentially could um, boil down to so that's why these conversations matter to me and why i will continue to explore this stuff over time um all right well i'm just gonna i've talked for longer than i was um, anticipating there but um just wanted to set things up and um yeah explain why um why i care about this and why I wanted to talk to Megan in the first place. So, yes, this is Megan Malone. Yeah, so Megan, it is great to be speaking with you. Um, it's the first time we've had a chat like this. Like we've known each other for a, a while. But, yeah, mm -hmm. it's great to have you on the Gentle Rebel podcast to talk a little bit about things like coaching so yeah, yeah thanks for having me on absolute pleasure yeah so uh, like there's loads of stuff we've had a bit of a back and forth of um topics that we want to cover uh, and i guess the main the main thing i want to get into is issues around the idea of coaching you know what coaching is uh, what are some of the signs of a good coach um, and what are some of the things to look out for in coaching. But I guess the place to maybe start is like your journey in coaching. Like what has brought you to that and what does that look like for you at the moment? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think this is a really important topic because I do think there's a lot of misunderstandings about what coaching is. Even me, when I first decided that I was potentially interested in being a coach, I don't think I totally understood what that meant. Um, I kind of knew what a coach was. I knew it was different than like a therapist, for example. Um, I knew that it was someone who helps you pursue and reach goals. But other than that, the definition was kind of fuzzy to me. Um, I just knew that I personally enjoyed working with other people. I liked being able to kind of guide people, listen to them, figure out what they wanted and then help them to get there. And so that's what attracted me initially to being a coach. Um, I have a background in marketing and also psychology. So that's what I studied when I was an undergrad, which was now, you know, 10 plus years ago. And so I had been working in marketing for the last decade and it just wasn't fulfilling to me in the way that like, I didn't feel like I was directly supporting other people or helping other people. I was basically just selling things and um, that was fine. There is kind of a psychological aspect to marketing that I was initially attracted to. I liked understanding people, why they do what they do, but it, I wasn't using that skill in a way that felt as fulfilling to me as it could be. And so I looked into coaching. There was a program um, here in Texas, where I live at UT Dallas, 
um, that specifically was for organizational development, but it had a coaching certification that came with the program. And um, at the time, I'm not sure if this has changed, but at the time it was one of, I believe, only three universities in the United States um, where you could get a master's degree and a coaching certification from the ICF in the same program. And I thought that's really cool because, um, you know, I can get my master's and I can get this coaching certification and that sounds great. And it was right when the pandemic started, it was an online program. So I was like, this is a great time to just to do this. You know, we're at home anyways for the foreseeable future. Let's let's go ahead and do it. And so I went through the program. It was an amazing program. Um, I learned so much. I made a lot of great connections with other people in the program. Um, it was a very extensive coaching certification program where we had to log um, you know, a hundred hours of coaching and we had to pass all these exams and go through essentially two years um, worth of classes and training them. Not every class was specifically for the coaching certification. That was mostly the first year. Um, but it took me about two years to to get the certification and everything through the program. So since then, I have been coaching primarily focused on career coaching, although I do occasionally help people uh, with other goals that they have um, in their lives. And that's that's kind of where I've been for the past few years. I'm really enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I, I one thing that I've definitely noticed in both just people in general, as well as clients who come to me and approach me being interested in coaching is that they often don't know really fully what coaching is. Um, they have different expectations. And so that's something that I like to clear up right away because I think there's a lot of misinformation, unfortunately, out there about what a coach is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's a, a good place for us to really start is distinguishing between those different types of kind of helping intervention, I suppose, because um, I think there is there are so many that you ask people what they think coaching is and it, a whole load of stuff will come out and often it's like, mm, no, not quite, not quite. Um, so, yeah, what do you say uh, when you're kind of clarifying that, those differences? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the, the biggest differences would be a coach versus someone who is like a mentor or a teacher or even a consultant um, versus, of course, a therapist. So those are kind of the big three different buckets that I like to make sure people know are, are separate um, when we go into coaching. So the difference is that a coach is going to be more of an equal partnership, someone who works with and guides the client into making their own decisions. So coaches see clients as fully whole and capable on their own of being able to make the right decisions for their lives. And we're going to ask questions. We're going to you know practice active listening and ask the right questions to kind of guide you towards making those decisions for yourself. We're also going to be more focused on what's happening with you now and where you want to be in the future and what potential changes do you need to make to get to where you want to be in the future. So the difference between that and someone like a mentor or a consultant is that coaches are not necessarily giving you advice. So someone who's a mentor, they're looking from their past experience and they're giving you advice based on that or a consultant is usually brought in to solve a particular problem and offer suggestions and recommendations. That's not technically in the definition of coaching what a coach is supposed to be doing. Now, a lot of people call themselves coaches and do those things, but that is not what I have been trained to do as a coach, and that's not what I believe is actually the, the uh, job of a coach. Um. A therapist, of course, is someone who is more focused on mental health and healing from past trauma or pain. Therapists can use coaching techniques and therapy, and they do, and I think that's great. Um, but of course, a coach should not be trying to help client with mental health problems. Um, occasionally, I can just tell you as a coach, people will try to go there, um, and you have to redirect. You have to be able to say, you know, are you talking to a therapist about this? This seems like more of a mental health thing. And that's not what I am trained to help with. Um, people also come to coaching and they do want advice. You know, they do want more of a mentor or a consultant. Um, 
And that's something that I try to make clear as well. Like if you ask me for my specific advice every once in a while, okay, you know, if I feel like I have something to offer there, um, I'm always going to add the disclaimer that, you know, this is just my perspective. It's up to you to decide if it makes sense to you, if it resonates with you. Um, but I try not to do that on a regular basis. If someone is coming to me and they just constantly want advice, I'm like, maybe a coach is not the best fit for you right now. Maybe you need someone who's going to be able to give you more direct advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are kind of the primary, really primary yeah. differences. Yeah. Really clear differences. And it is, I think, so important to clarify that in, and we'll kind of get into some of the sort of worst practices of, people who describe themselves as coaches kind of falling into some of this stuff. And I think the, certainly the mental health territory feels very like, um, because there's a lot of people putting themselves in spaces like that to dish out advice or to put themselves as being able to support people in situations where actually therapy would be more appropriate or counseling. And, um, and yeah, a lot of the time it's coming from your own, uh, someone might like the best of intentions coming from a particular lived experience or something they've been through or have, have, you know, they deal with themselves and they think I'm qualified because of that to help other people. Um, Mm. And that's, yeah, one of the big (laughs) things I've noticed where it's like, Ooh, just, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. And um, to that, to that point, one thing that I have noticed is, um, you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of coaches do feel like they need to coach from their own experience. Um, and that's actually not what necessarily you should be doing as a coach. You should really be removing yourself from the coaching process almost entirely. And when you go through an extensive training program, you really learn a completely different way to listen to people and a completely different way to communicate. And it takes you out of it because you're supposed to be taking your own bias and your own agenda out of the conversation because you can't let the client lead. You can't really see them as a whole capable person if you're going in with an agenda of what they should be doing or how they should be doing it based on your experience. Um, So that's where it comes in. Again, if people want advice based on your experience, sure, every once in a while, you can kind of break that wall and you can share that. But really, it shouldn't be based on that, it should be really helping them get to where they need to go or where they want to go. And your experience should have nothing to do with it, technically, at the end of the day. Um, Now, it's not to say that as a coach, you know, your experience can't make you maybe if you've been like in a leadership position, you might be a better fit as a leadership coach, of course, because you're going to understand what that takes a little bit more. You're not going to have to have that explained to you or whatever by the client. So yes, in, in some ways, experience does matter, um, but it shouldn't be the the primary thing because you should be able essentially to coach almost anyone, um, you know, if you're using the right techniques and and you've been trained to do that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a complete skill set in and of itself, the coaching, you know, because mm. I went through an extensive training program as well that was yeah very much like you know it's ICF accredited and and everything International Coaching Federation is what ICF stands for for those listening um and yeah it was kind of drilled into you that you know while it's it might be helpful to to be an expert or to to be familiar with the uh, the field that you're coaching within actually the skill is coaching you want to be an expert in coaching first and foremost and that should lead you to be able to coach anybody in any with any sort of goal or or challenge that they're kind of wanting to to address so yeah I always hold that in my mind that yeah and actually that expertise in a field can be a hindrance at times because it creates that bias of or I, I want to tell them to do the do it this way, or like you know tell them about my own experiences without them like maybe asking or being interested. And I always like if people ask for advice, try and steer it down a well. This is something that happened to me, and this is what I did. Like that's not a, a, I'm not telling you that's the right thing to do, but like it's just. Right maybe creating a pool of options or like feeding into the potential options that they can then pick right. from. Yeah. 
So, yeah. yeah. And one thing I wanted to say about going back to the therapy topic about coaches who dive into that. Um, one thing that this is part of my training as well. One thing that I try to do is if someone is regularly bringing up stuff is to ask if they are seeing a therapist. Um, technically, I was trained that if someone has a lot of mental health issues and they're not already working through it, they shouldn't be seeing a coach. They should be seeing a therapist first and then seeing a coach. Um, because the reason is, is if they're not seeing a therapist, they're going to continue to bring all of those things into coaching because they, it feels like a safe environment. They feel like they're being listened to, and those things are in, probably impacting their work life or their dating life or whatever it is that you're coaching on. Um, so when I have a client that brings up that kind of stuff, I try to bring it back around to be like, okay, well, you told me, you know, you're, you're seeing a therapist about this. That sounds like a good you know, I think that you can talk me about with them or have you talked about this with your therapist, that kind of thing, because um, unfortunately, there's just a lot of overlap because of the level of comfort that clients feel with their coaches. They tend to bring up those things pretty often, at least in my experience, that's been the case. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, and I, we're going to, I think, go towards the question of regulation in, in the coaching industry sort of in a bit, but I found a really interesting thing. I'd, I hadn't really thought about it like this, but on uh, schoolofcoachingmastery.com, there was an article about uh, whether or not um, coaching should be sort of government regulated. Um, and one of the things they wrote in that was, so far, coaching has established itself as a profession that doesn't target vulnerable populations, nor those who are in crisis, nor do coaches give advice on health, mental illness or finance which are three areas that usually require credentials. And so, yeah, I'll just sort of sowing that seed at this point, and then we'll uh, yeah, maybe kind of pick up on, on that thread a little bit later. But um, I think the next place is, is what is a bad coach? So thinking about the red flags um, when looking for a coach or when sort of, yeah, responding to people's, uh, marketing, because there's a lot of coaches marketing themselves at the moment, and yeah, how to how do you sort of separate, distinguish a, a good coach from a bad coach? Yeah, so I think that when it comes to red flags to look out for when looking at coaches, I think the biggest red flag is someone who promises something that seems too good to be true. <laughs> That's probably almost the case in, in almost every circumstance, right? But there's a lot of marketing out there that promises really big things for very little investment or maybe a big investment, but a small amount of time. You know, you can make six figures coaching other coaches, you know, or, you know, you can make whatever this big dream that you have is um, in six months with my program. And all you need to do is pay me this amount of money and um, that kind of stuff is always a red flag to me because I don't, I would never make those types of promises um, to a client. I will say, you know, you're going to tell me, we're going to figure out what your goals are, and then we're going to work together to achieve those goals. Um, but I would never say, yeah, I'm going to make you six figures in a certain amount of time or something that's that specific um, because even if those coaches have some success stories of where that's happened, it's not going to be the case for every single person because every single person is different. Um, and yeah, that sounds appealing, you know, making $10,000, $20,000 a month. Yeah, that sounds very appealing to anybody almost, right? Um, but is that really what everybody really wants? Is that really everyone's goal? Is that really what's best for them at this point in their life? Um, so when people make big promises like that, especially around money, because um, that's a big one that I see. I, I tend to think that that's a red flag. Um, and that's more of like a marketer tactic than it is, you know, coaching, right? Um, so I, I would say that's something to be aware of. Another thing is, you know, does the coach have any credentials? You know, what is their experience? What training programs have they gone through? Um, you know, like, are, have they gone through a program that focuses on all of the ethical considerations of, of coaching? You know, like you said, you went through something that um, 
uh, went through the ICF and the ICF does have a code of ethics for all coaches. And if you're an ICF coach, you have to follow those code of ethics. Um, anyone can call themselves a coach, but are, have they actually been through a coaching training program or did they just slap on the title and make an Instagram account and start saying that they were coaching people? So really looking into the background, um, the experience and the training and stuff like that of the coach is another important thing to do. And if they don't have that, then I would say that's another red flag. Or if they're not able to provide that, if you ask for that specifically, that would be a red flag to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the, I think it's that sort of merging of marketing and, you know, as you say, the fact that anybody can sort of adopt that word coach and sell a program, whatever. Um, uh, yeah, and the, because that's, that's what really struck me about that that quote, um, where it's like, you know, not, doesn't target vulnerable populations um, or those in crisis. And I think there's a, something I'm noticing is the, the coaches promising especially when it's financial stuff, um, you know, a six-figure, seven-figure coaching business within 12 months or whatever. So they're selling coaching as the as the product. Like, I'm going to train you to be a coach so that you can basically make the money. But what you'll be doing is coaching other coaches to become coaches in this sort of endless treadmill of um, of coaching, which is... I wonder where the line is with that vulnerable part because there's a it's a bit like you know multi-level marketing programs that mm-hmm. attract people maybe in fairly vulnerable situations or they're they're susceptible to the the allure of something that's you know going to set them free or whatever the the language around it is um and so maybe it, as we come on to the regulation conversation it's like is there, can you have a, a regulatory thing at the level of people training people as coaches? Is that more important than maybe the coaches themselves? Because um, I think there's a lot of people maybe taking advantage of of people under that umbrella, um, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, a, that's a good question too. I think, you know, the goal... Or the reason, the argument, I, I guess, for, for regulation is the fact that there are people being taken advantage of. Um, and ultimately, that's not only hurting these clients who are spending a lot of money on these coaches that are, worst case scenario, scamming them, right? Um, best case scenario, are maybe have good intentions, but don't really know what they're doing. Um, and aren't really helping them at the end of the day. I think the, the argument for more regulation is, is that, you know, these people are being taken advantage of, but also it's hurting the industry. It's hurting the industry of coaching because people are seeing all of these bad experiences and they're saying, well, coaching is a scam. I mean, I've seen people say that, uh, you know, like coaching is a scam. And of course they would say that if their only experience or the only things that they've heard are from the people who have been scammed. Uh, by these people who are calling themselves coaches. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that you bring up regulation kind of at the training level. Um, maybe that's a good starting place. You know, I think in an ideal world, yeah, we wouldn't have regulation because we we have defined what coaching is and we have these like ethics in place and everyone would just follow them. But the truth is people aren't following them. Um, and that's why regulations in general exist. And I'm not here to like argue for or against regulations in in general, but I think in the coaching industry, having some guidelines in place is helpful for the same reasons that we have them in place, like for therapy. Of course, therapy deals with more sensitive subjects. So that's, you know, a little bit different, but we don't just have therapists who can go out and make a bunch of like lavish claims and uh, you know, that kind of thing. There's, they would lose their license um, if they did some of the same stuff that these coaches are doing. Um, and we just don't have that in coaching because it's such a new kind of profession. It's only been around for the last couple of decades. And so we're still 
learning and growing as an industry. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of that, the the regulation question just feels like, uh, yeah, I'm not not for or against it really, but it's it's what it's, I suppose, symbolically representing beneath it, which is as a bit of chaos and it's the reputation of the industry itself or the profession of coaching itself, which is at stake really, because people aren't, you know, because people don't like, as we started that those differences, people don't know what coaching is in the first place. So then when you're hearing these stories in like, uh, there's lots of, you know, podcast episodes coming out that are kind of highlighting really bad practices you know, documentaries, perfect for Netflix, like all of these horror stories of people using under the banner of coaching, doing really terrible things, basically. So then that becomes people's um, kind of frame of reference for, oh, coaches, stay away from their terrible people. Um, right, yeah, no, right. You, no, sorry. Oh, I was just going to add, I think, you know, regardless of whether or not we have more regulation, I think probably in the future, maybe for our future, but at some point we will. Um, I think that regardless what we can do now as coaches, the best thing we can do is to help people understand what coaching actually is, what it isn't, um, the ethical guidelines to coaching, you know, what a coach should be doing, what the red flags are, all the things we're talking about today. I think are really important conversations for coaches to be having um, and not making excuses for the people who are potentially in that gray to, you know, a darker area that, um, that we don't want to see coaching go towards. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's what's kind of driving me to, to have these conversations. And I think I've seen, I think I'd seen you post something about uh, escaping twin flames as a, a an example of something that was really not good for the co- for the reputation of coaching and yeah uh, yeah that yeah. was a really uh, a great documentary on Netflix um, so bizarre I was just like I love that kind of stuff I love those documentaries on like yeah. cults or anything where it's just like it gets weirder and weirder the longer you watch it. <laughs> um, but that that's one example of many, and I watched many stuff like that where they they bring up coaching. But in this specific case, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, this is essentially started to help you find your twin flame, right? Your true love. Um, a lot of a lot of coaching that kind of I would say dives into this uh, unethical, potentially gray area zone um, is kind of centered around a lot of these more, I would say like woo-woo topics Um, and twin flames is of course one of them. And so part of this program, eventually they, they built it up to where they were bringing people who had signed up for the program and they were building them into coaches to then coach other new members of the program. The problem with that is that these people have never actually been trained to be coaches. They're not coaches. They're just people who signed up to find the love of their life. And then maybe they had a success story, quote unquote, success um, through this program. And so then they were given the title of coach and then they could coach other people in the program on what they should do based on their own experience. Again, it's totally based on their own experience. That's not coaching. That's not coaching what coaching was. And so um, in this case, this program ended up really hurting people. in a lot of ways. And um, I mean, it's just, I won't get into the details. Definitely recommend giving it a watch for anyone who hasn't, but it, it really messed up a lot of people's lives for a while. Not everyone, but um, it was very harmful. And the the owners were very greedy, money hungry kind of people. Um, and so that was just one of many examples of these types of programs that have what they call coaching offered as a service, but it's not actually coaching. And in this case, is not just gray area, but really potentially significantly harming other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's, and, you know, to just pick up on what you said earlier about, you know, the role of the coach is essentially to almost step back and make yourself, 
as an ego obsolete within that situation because it's about the the person you're coaching like i think it's a it represents this trend that is kind of i think it's growing or it's at least peaking maybe of people in guru positions people where you're you're fixated on the person on the person the coach whether that's i mean in the escaping twin flame or the twin flames universe uh like it's it's those two people at the center of it that position themselves as these expert guru messianic like figures certainly he does who what he says is the truth um and yeah it's kind of like then you train the coaches to be like your disciples to carry on your good work like it's and and it's an extreme example but i think that there is there are there is a trend in certain areas towards that by well-meaning people as well where it kind of becomes about them and what they you know can teach or or train as and calling calling themselves a coach and yeah against that difference and and i just to that point you know, that's a great point because we, in any position where you are helping another person, you have to realize that the other person is going to see you as maybe a little bit more of an authority. You know, they're paying you for a service, you know, whether you're going to the doctor or the therapist or a coach or whatever, a mentor, teacher, um, they're going to see you as more of the expert, more of the authority figure. And there is the responsibility in that that we have you know we it's like that what the spider-man quotes like great power comes great responsibility or whatever like we have a responsibility to be i keep saying the word like ethical but i think it's like so important in this case or you know to have integrity in what we're doing um in working with other people and i know that there's going to be people who say well but I have good intentions. It's like, okay, if you have good intentions and you really want to help, then then make sure that you're doing things the right way. Like make sure you actually have training to be a, an actual coach and you're not just going in and telling people what they want to hear or you're not just going in and telling people what your boss tells you to tell them, you know, in some of these kind of like MLM cases, you're not just trying to like push them to sell your product or do what you want them to do because that's not coaching. If you want to be a coach, then learn how to be an actual coach, learn that skill set, um, and then practice that. So that's me yeah. on my soapbox. I'm sorry, but that's, I love it. that's yeah. how I feel about it. Personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. And I think it's, as you say, like, the, you know, go and learn to be a coach, practice being a coach. Actually, coaching is really hard. Like it's, a, it it's there's a reason it takes that long to you know, you need to build up all of those hours and, you know, sort of evidence what you're doing and the, the the way that you've worked with people and stuff. Because actually that kind of coaching isn't all that natural. So the, the Not, co- yeah. a coaching conversation where you don't kind of come back with something advice based or whatever, like, oh, yeah, I had the same kind of thing. And it's like that might be a natural conversational thing that you do. But in coaching, no, it's not. And actually, it takes a lot of practice to, yeah, just shift that, the the way that you approach conversations. Yeah. yeah. In that sense. Yeah. I tell people it really, for me, it felt like rewire, rewiring my brain and how I listen and communicate with other people. And I was already, I felt like a good listener. I was already good at being empathetic with people. You know, that was stuff that came naturally to me. And I do think those are skills that made me make me a better coach. Um, but it was a whole different way of learning to listen and communicate that I had to learn. And it was still hard for me. Um, and there was other people in my program who it was even harder for. They came in thinking like coaching is basically consulting. And I, you know, a lot, of, I had a lot of people who were nearing retirement and they thought I have all this experience that I can share with people. Now they came into the program and they're like, oh, this is not what I thought coaching was. I thought coaching was me getting to share my experience and my expertise with everyone all the time. And it's like, that's fine. If you want to do that, go be a consultant, be a teacher, be a mentor. There's a lot of great fields for you um, that you would be really great at. 
that's what some of them ended up doing and others embraced coaching and they learned the skill and they got really good at it. Um, but yeah, again, it's, it is a whole different way of, of interaction. And that's something that people need to really understand because it is hard to learn. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very rewarding as well. Once you start to, I think there's just something that I love about it where it's when you see people really take like, for want of a better term, like having that empowering, like experiencing that empowerment of like, I am actually taking responsibility myself. Like they may, may come thinking I need, I'm looking for advice. I want help. I don't want to know what to do in this situation. And as you see that change over a period of time in that them coming into that, their own sense of self, it's like, yes, this is amazing. It's great to see. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, it's very like an empowering process, I think. And, you know, people will come into it sometimes. And even though as a coach, your job is to see them as full, you know, on their own and, and people who are able to make their own decisions and choices, they might not see themselves that way, mm-hmm. you know? So being able to see someone kind of go through that transition and suddenly they're like, oh, I can make decisions for my life. I can achieve things on my own. And um, just kind of watching that, that's it's a beautiful thing to to watch. And it's so much more empowering than to me than just telling them what I would do based on my experience, you know, because that might not work for them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and then guaranteed to come back later and be like, no, nah, what you told me to do didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why so, a lot of times coaches that use that approach don't have the same type of success stories they might have a few because some people are similar to them but other people mm. will try it and their tactics won't work because they're not them they're a yeah. different person yeah absolutely are there so the the ethical you talked about the sort of ethics of of coaching and there are, the icf have a whole um kind of document there's PDF on the website of the ethical guidelines that they um, expect accredited and uh, membership uh, coaches to adhere to. Um, and there's also like the core competencies there. Um, but yeah, is there anything anything that stands out to you within the, those ethical standards that are worth kind of just emphasizing for people who may be looking for a coach or thinking about, uh, yeah, Again, those red flags versus good yeah, things. Um, well, of course, one of the big legal guidelines within the ICF's code of ethics is just the responsibility that you have to your clients um, and, and their best interest. And that's something that's uh, important. And of course, in the example that we gave earlier, like that was an extreme example. And I, I don't think that most organizations that have, you know, what they call coaches, even if they're not actually coaches, um, I don't think they go that far into harming people, but if you are, we have a responsibility to that. And if someone comes to you and says, you know, I took your advice and I I feel like this is not good for me or this, you know, this had a negative outcome. Um, the worst thing a coach can do is put it back on the client and say, well, you're not trying hard enough. You know, mm-hmm. that's a really, to me, a really, uh, just like, I don't, like a gross tactic that coaches use, you know, I understand that we're all accountable for ourselves. 100% believe in that. Um, But as a coach, we're also accountable. We also have to hold ourselves accountable. So if our clients are coming back to us and saying that we did something or we said something and it's not working for them or worse, it's, it's making their lives worse in a way we are accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable and not just say, well, it's not, it's because you're just not believing in the process enough. You're just not trying hard enough. That's a major red flag. And again, the ICF's ethics does have a responsibility to the client. Um, so anything that's potentially harming the client, that is, that's not an ethical coaching practice. Um, there's also men- mentioned in the code of ethics um, about being transparent in what you can offer and not making, you know, false promises, false advertising, that kind of thing. And that's kind of something that we talked about briefly earlier is some of these 
coaches that are advertising on social media or elsewhere and making these big promises without really anything to back it up. Um, I think another thing in the code of ethics, it also mentions being like, this is not the wording that it uses, but um, essentially being modest in your own achievements or something like that. It, it says like, you know, don't, it's not about you. Coaching is not about you. And so a lot of people are like, well, this, I made all this money and I became a huge success. So I can coach you to do the same thing. You know, that's actually like not how you should be trying to attract clients. Um, you can always share your experience, right? Like you can always share that and that's fine. Um, but if you're saying, oh, because I am this big success story, then you can become a big success story too. And that's probably not, not the best way to go about marketing your, your services. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Have you got any thoughts on ethical approaches to marketing coaching? I guess it's where a lot of this starts, isn't it? Where, you know, you think, okay, how do you attract clients, especially if you're using social media? And the simplest way is either to create a sense of, I don't know, manufacturing problems that people have. So it's like, I can help you solve this issue that I've just invented that you clearly have. Um, and then giving them a sense of urgency as, and, the, and loneliness probably is a big factor. Like I'm the only one who's dealing with this, but this, this savior can come and help me. Um, and there are some kind of, I guess, the psychological aspects of that that make it quite an easy sell um, in, in some regards. How do you market yourself as a coach without resorting to those tactics in a way that actually people are attracted to? Yeah, great question. So I, you know, I mentioned that I also have a background in marketing um, and that's definitely one way that people market. Um, and yeah, it, it can work. Is that how I would recommend people market um, and get the best quality clients? And, you know, like there's, there's like kind of the easy tactics that you can use and maybe you'll get a lot of interest and it won't be the highest quality of interest. It won't be the right fit for you and your coaching business. Um, and at the end of the day, is it like, with? are you doing it with, you know, integrity within yourself? Is it like honest, that kind of thing? I like to look at marketing. Um, you know, a lot of people use, of course, social media for marketing. So I'll kind of address it from that point. Because I think that's the easiest way that coaches can kind of start is by just being on social media. Um, as very relationship-based um, and educating and informing people on social media is a great way to develop relationships and to um, essentially get people to pay attention to you and what you have to offer. Um, and so, you know, I have a I have a small social media page. I don't use social media um, for like heavy coaching marketing or anything at this point, but um, I do like to make videos that inform people and I've actually made videos on like, what is the difference between coaching and therapy, that kind of stuff, because that is something that people have questions on. And I want people to feel informed and to know what they're getting into if they are interested in my service. Um, so I don't make a lot of stuff that's, I don't make anything that says, oh, I can make you all this, you know, all these great things. If you come to coaching, that's not a tactic I use at all. Um, it's much more of helping to educate people. Um, on certain issues that are, you know, adjacent to what they might be coming into coaching with, um, informing them, uh, and just kind of focused on that relational aspect as well. I'm very um, communicative with people on social media, so I have had people that follow me on Twitter or Instagram um, reach out to me interested in my coaching services, and so um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of casual about it. I, I try to be myself on social media and myself is not a very like big personality, uh, marketing, like, I mean, yes, I do marketing, but that's, it's not me to make those types of videos and to over promote myself. That's not authentic to who I am as a person. So, um, 
even if I felt like that was like an okay tactic, I would never use that for myself because it's not true to who I am. And the people that would sign up for that would not be getting what I'm actually saying that I'm offering. They would come in with a false idea of what it is. So I think just being transparent and honest and authentic and helping to educate people is kind of the best approach to take in terms of of marketing yourself on social media. And I also understand that, um, you know, I do coaching on the side. I have a full-time job and I coach people on the side outside of that. It's not my full-time job. So I understand that some coaches uh, have a need for like more income through coaching and they need to promote themselves more heavily. And and so that might be a reason they resort to some of these other tactics. Um, But I really don't think that you have to do that. If you're really spending the time making things to help people learn and understand, and you're being honest, like that's going to show through. People are going to see that and they're going to be interested to learn more. And that's kind of the case for marketing in general, you know, any brand or business, people are attracted to honesty, transparency, um, people who seem like they know what they're talking about, you know, people who can answer hard questions um, and not shy away from things like that. Like if someone was marketing coaching, they're like, what's your your background or your experience? And they don't have any, they're not going to be able to answer that question. That's, that's awkward. They're going to skirt the question. So being able to to do those things. I think that's what people ultimately are looking for in a coach. Like you want a relationship with someone that you can trust. That's really important um, in a coaching client relationship. And so if you can convey that in your marketing, then I think that's the best way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That trust part is just so important and can be, I think when I think about the approach that I have to, to marketing it's all about that sort of authentic trust building, you know, relationships, sharing tools that I use, um, you know, actually using sort of coaching tools and resources that I will work with clients using and kind of provide them uh, in public as a, like, you know, get started, do have a, have a go at this and see what happens. And yeah, just, I don't know. Good. Yeah, that's another good point. Um, in terms of marketing, you can always offer something, you know, for free that gives people more information about what you are and what you do. I always do like a free initial conversation, like 30 minutes or 15 minutes, because I want people to feel like I'm a good fit for them. And I also want to feel like they're a good fit for me in coaching. You know, if they're coming and they're not actually looking for coaching, they're looking for mentoring or something like that, we can kind of suss that out in that first conversation. And I can say, hey, this might not be for you, but here's what might be better for you. Or they can come to me and be like, this is not what I thought coaching was. This isn't, you know, what I'm looking for. And so that's a great way um, to do that. And, you know, they're being able to do that without having to pay anything. If you have like some sort of free, you know, guide or ebook or handout or something like that, that you can offer um, that helps to kind of educate them or helps them in a way that's another great tool to to give away to kind of market your services yeah totally and yeah never underestimate the power of saying i don't think this is a fit in a way that helps build that trust uh i think that because you never know who that person is then well maybe they'll come back in the future and be like i've really thought about it i'm ready to to do what needs to be done or you're going to get recommendations and referrals off that because like actually there's some integrity there because you saw yeah. yeah no i'm not just gonna take anyone signing up just because because of the money or whatever so yeah, yeah. and ultimately long-term. i i like to think of everything in terms of like long-term payoff and maybe yeah. this could also be called like karma but in a more like logical way or thinking about the long-term implications of something if i'm taking on a client that's not the right fit that's probably going to have a bad Uh, outcome in the end, they're going to be unhappy, or I'm going to be unhappy, or both of us are going to be unhappy. But if I'm honest up front, then you're absolutely right. And maybe eventually, they're like, you know, I wasn't ready then, but now I'm ready to go back to her. Or, you know, I have another friend who's talking about this thing. And I remember I talked to this coach who offers this, and I can refer them 
because I trust this person. They were honest with me. They were upfront with me. And um, the outcome is just always, I think it's always better when you're just upfront and honest about things than when you're not and you do things just for, for money or short term, short term gains, you know, that's, again, I get on my soapbox a lot about this kind of stuff, but that's yeah. just how I, how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. That's why I thought you were a perfect person to, to talk to about all of this stuff. So yeah, I mean, this is, this has been great. Thank you, Megan, for uh, giving the time and yeah, sharing your wisdom and insights around this stuff. In terms of the the future of coaching, like what, where do you think things are heading? So I think we're still kind of in the the early stages of the profession, kind of to we're getting to a point where we're starting to see problems. We're starting to see these misunderstandings and these issues that are coming up because coaching is becoming something that I mean it's it's one of the fastest growing industries here in the United States. And so, you know, it's becoming more and more popular. And with that are coming more and more issues that we're having to address, right? Um, And I don't know how the industry as a whole is going to address all of these things. You know, we can all give our different opinions and and what we think makes the most sense. But I do think there's going to be eventually probably a period where we're like, okay, we need to be a little bit more buttoned down and, and really talk about um, how we're going to avoid some of these issues. Specifically, I think first starting with scamming, I think coaching scams are the most important thing to address um, because of course those do prey on vulnerable people. Um, So I think that's something that the industry needs to address fairly soon. And then over time, also tackle these other issues like people who aren't you know, really training to be coaches and these organizations that are using what they're calling coaching that's not coaching and and things like that. I think it will become a more professional industry um, over time. And we already have organizations kind of leading the way like the ICF and, and others that are really serious about these types of things. And so um, I think it's going in a good direction. I just think that like with anything that's relatively new, even though maybe 25, 30 years doesn't sound new, it is new for a, a new profession. I think um, it'll take a little bit of time to get there, but I think that that we will get there. And like I said, in the meantime, the best thing that we can do as coaches is just to continue having these conversations and calling out um, problems that we're seeing and talking about um how people can avoid falling into traps and how they can get the most out of coaching and get the greatest benefit from coaches and how coaches can also benefit, you know, as well in the industry yeah. as a whole. So very well said. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And if people want to follow up with you uh, as a result of this, where's the best place for them to go? Um, so I am on TikTok and Instagram. Coach with Megan is my handle there. Um, again, I'm not, I haven't been super active on that, but I have a few like educational and informational videos there about coaching. Um, and uh, my website is meganmmalone.com. Uh, not, not a whole lot there right now, but that's where you can find a little bit more information if you're interested in coaching. Fantastic. Well, Megan, thank you. Thank you. It was great. A huge thank you to Megan for joining me. It was such a helpful conversation. I really appreciate Megan's ability to communicate so clearly especially those distinctions between the helping interventions um, and yeah, just her way of explaining in good faith how ethical coaching practices uh, differ from some of the ways that um, we've maybe seen coaching held and sold um, in the modern world, the current climate. So I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation. Is there anything that sort of resonated with you? Anything that surprised you? Um, any questions or concerns that you have about anything maybe you've come across elsewhere in the name of coaching I would be really happy to hear from you Um, and yeah if you want to talk about that 
um, with me, then yeah, just drop a comment on the show notes um, or send an email through the website, andymort.com, um, or just drop, yeah, send me a message on social media, wherever you find me. Um, and yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to talk to you um, and hear what uh, you thought of this. All right. Well, I think that will do us for this episode. Um, hope you have a really lovely week. And until next time, do remember that you are an artist. The world needs your art. Now go and make somebody's day. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.